the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli, that's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe, smash that like, and come and join us in the chat. It is a Thursday, and oh, it is a transitional weekend for the game of football. The NFL Draft begins first round on Thursday, second and third round on Friday, four through seven rounds on Saturday. And of course, if you want to keep up to date with all the information, keep it locked in to CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ. We got a killer draft tracker. DK going to be on the pregame show, uh, sort of getting everything set uh, for the evening's festivities. And we're going to be breaking down some of our expectations, some of our thoughts, and the official top five cover three mocks coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but first, I wanted to you know, take a little bit of news and, and maybe expand the conversation a little bit because uh, we found out at the beginning of the week through Sports Illustrated that the SEC was considering the idea of stronger penalties for uh, rushing the field. It's something that has created incredible atmospheres, incredible moments, but also controversy and uh, and also some you know issues moving forward. So Greg Sankey says these are all you know working group type situations. Now, some of the considerations for the penalties would be that a team could surrender home field advantage the next time they face the opponent. The uh, forfeiting a game was identified, but just one of many ideas. There's a lot to get to in terms of the specifics that I'm not necessarily as interested in. So I guess, like Tom, for you, do you think that a a war on storming the field is something that is worth considering for college football's decision makers? I don't consider it a war yet, but I will say if you force somebody to forfeit a win because they storm the field, that will start the war <laughs> over storming the field. I'd love to see how that goes. I, I, I get it. It's it's a liability issue more than anything, but it's, I, I mean, honest to God, and I know we have one example, but when was the last time you really heard of like a serious injury from somebody storming the field or a basketball court? Due to oh. an episode of violence. Uh, it's probably been a while. Although I, I agree with Tom, we do need to protect sec students from Jermaine Burton. And I think this rule <laughs> could go a long way towards doing that. Um, but you have seen guys or, or girls get hurt from falling off goalposts or trying to take down goalposts falling on them, people being trampled. It, it, it is a, a definitely liability issue. You know where else we've seen that stumbling drunk home after yes. the game, falling off a sidewalk step? Like, yeah, but you don't what? sue the city if you fall off the sidewalk unless, unless it's damaged, right? Like that. That's this is sort of foreseeable. Now they have things that that lawyers will bring up, like look. This guy punched this girl at, at after the Bama Tennessee game, right? Like things like that are going to get brought up. Can't can't we just write on the back of the ticket? Like whenever you yes. buy a ticket, remember when we used to have actual paper tickets before they were just 
QR codes on our phone. But on the back of the ticket, it would say, you know, we're not subject to this, you know, per holder of ticket is said, blah, blah, blah. Can't you just write like a little thing that says, if you enter the field of play, whatever happens, happens, bro, that's on you. Do you know what, you know what attorneys love? Caution tape, because just it lets them know where to take the photos, right? And, and if you are hiring security, it's inadequate security. I'm going to bring that up. Hey, like they clearly knew there was a risk. They hired a couple of these security guards. They just go like that. Everybody runs by them. They have video evidence from last so now, year. Now you're trying to take away jobs. Wow. Wow. <laughs> We're adding more. I, like, well, so waiver is subject to fine. You're going to beef up the security and bring the dogs in. Waiver's a good idea, don't you think, bud? Then you're protected somewhat? Depends. Like A lot, a lot of times, waivers actually don't work. Right. People really? are going to try to sue. Really? What? Yeah. Yeah, it, it depends on uh, if they're overbroad or not. Depend, depends on your state as well. Then just kind of uh, well, get into the weeds here. Then they just kind of, you know, the, the bigger companies or whatever, just settle to get it over with. Also, like, right, ten, Tennessee's president. $100,000, $200,000, you know, payout that you were going to pay the fine. You know, just have... it's uh, so, right. Go ahead. No, so I. I, I am passionate about this because I do think it's important to protect it. Like, you know, I, I think it is one of the things that makes college football special and college basketball too, is that experience. Like, and I think people go back and they're like, yeah, I remember I was in Knoxville. I was on the field when we took the goalposts and threw them in the river. Like people remember that. And it is an important like ritual to protect. And like, it, I guess maybe it's money, lawyers, lawsuits, whatever ruins everything, but I think it is worth protecting. I think the best way to go about it would be, you know, protect the other team. Like, cause I don't think you want, and I think that's the thing that Sankey's most worried about is his players looking like a bunch of punks that are going to punch people when they're coming off the field. He doesn't want that type of heat coming his way. So get the opponent off the field. Like if you're going to spend all this on security, make an announcement, Hey, we're going to open the floodgates as soon as the game is over, but give us two minutes. The other team has the two minutes. You protect them. You cord them off the coaches, too, because we've seen coaches get into scuffles, too, on the field. You guys are all Jim on your Bach. own. There's going to be mm -hmm. you know, this Jimbo's two, nephew. three, five-minute grace period, whatever it is, where you guys – and it doesn't take long. It takes 30 seconds to a minute to jog off the field into the locker room. After that, if you guys are lingering out there, you're on your own, but we're going to protect you and get you off the field. A lot of – a lot of stadiums have tunnels right behind the bench, you know, that guys kind of, you know, sneak through to go to the bathroom. doesn't have to be the official. Like, figure out a plan to get the opponents off the field. See, I, I think I that do think of, in basketball they've done better. Like, in basketball, they've got a, a very good, like, the rope comes out. They build the wall of security guards. We're going to build a wall. Rushing, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think uh, rushing the court, I think, might mean more to me than rushing the field. I think that the environment is already so massive with 50, 60, 70,000 people that how many of them are actually going to be able to make it onto the field to create that same, you know, the full field is flooded. We see it a couple times a year and it's awesome when they have that sky cam view and you can see almost, you know, the 10 yard line to the 10 yard line is filled with students but the like what we saw at Kansas State in the octagon of doom after Kansas State beat Kansas and Jerome Tang is standing on the scores table with the microphone playing all the Jerome Tang hits, you know, the crazy faith, the belief. And, you know, that environment was amazing. And I don't think that college football coaches are doing any of that. Like, I think that it's more of a, a collective ah. thing in college basketball than it is in college football. Heupel was out there with a the cigar. Like, he was enjoying that scene, too. I mean, I, so here's what I do think we need to do, and I think we would be the perfect ones to dole out the punishment. Like, if you were, like, there needs to be a committee that decides, okay, this is worth a million-dollar fine, or this is worth a $100,000 fine, or this one, you should be paid a $100,000 bonus for how it looked and how well you guys <laughs> did it. Like, it was structured. Tennessee... They're getting a bonus like that from them beating all of it, <laughs> beating Bama. Like the fact that they got over that hurdle, something they hadn't done in so long, like it was warranted. I'll call out Florida State. I didn't love them rushing the field after they beat Florida, who was not a good football team this past year. You know, like I, in that one, find them. Like some of the other ones we've seen, Colorado, 
was one in five and stormed the field after beating Cal, that's a million dollar fine. Like, just take it right now. <laughs> like, there has to be some sort of accountability to when you storm the field. And if you, then we can be the, the we decide the punishment, the crime, and we go ahead and we are, we need to govern college football, the storm fielding of college football. That needs Jordan, to be our job. Jordan, right. put that in the notes. That should be a bit we do during the season. Yes, definitely. It has to be. <laughs> I like that. On Mondays, um, upon further review, what the yeah. committee will give its ruling on the storming of the field from the weekend. Like Clemson storms every single game. Right. right. Or not storms, but they, 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 they congregate. Yeah. yeah. It's, they, it's the their Paul. tradition. Grandfathered yeah. in. Yeah. Which so, is really cool. They have little kids running around out there. Like, it's awesome. I love it. Um, the one thing I think you probably should be fined for is if you don't create, like, safe passage to the locker room for the visiting team because it very rarely are you going to have players on your own team punching their fans, right? It's probably the visiting team because you get some guy who's drunk up and up in the opposing players face. So maybe that should be the standard upon which we evaluate. Like, do you have a good security plan to get the opposing team to their, you know, to their visiting locker room? Right. And, and maybe that's extra security. Maybe that's like a defined rope that like they walk through probably opposite of the student section, because that's where most of your storm or your field stormers are going to come from. I think that that's probably what you should be looking at. For me, I mean, I, I understand all of it. Like I get it from the legal aspect. I get it from the safety. I, I, but my thing with it in the end is we are already seeing college football turn too much into an NFL product as it is. This kind of stuff is something that is unique to college sports, and it's one of the quote-unquote fun things about the game. And trying to get rid of it through, again, a league deciding that they will punish you with heavy fines for doing something that they deem is inappropriate just is, once again, just another step towards sanitizing it and just making it a minor league NFL, which I don't think anybody really wants. Like, I think we want the players to get paid. I think we want, you know, most of us want a larger playoff. I get that. But I don't think we just want a different version of the NFL. Mm. I agree. We'll be keeping our, yep. Yeah, I, I 100% agree on that. We, uh, we, we don't want to take out all the character that makes college football different, makes Saturdays different from Sunday. Uh, I mean, and, and one of the many reasons that we always come together to, uh, to watch it. College is about making stupid decisions. Let's not take that out of this out of the sport. People doing dumb stuff and running out of the field. You fall off a goalpost. Hey, you're in college. You'll probably survive. You might have a broken arm, but you got the rest of your life to live. You'll be okay. The field goalpost getting taken out of the stadium is iconic. Also iconic when you get stuck in the hedges. Has anybody yes, seen students yes. get stuck in the hedges? Yes. <laughs> I need, I need, I need more of that at all. <laughs> times thorns coming up on the other side (laughs) the nfl draft begins tonight we are going to give you our cover three podcast final and official mock of five picks our top five the expectations for thursday and more nfl draft talk next did you know that while over 60 percent of americans dream of starting their own business less than 20 percent of them take the first step the reason building a business is tough Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. How should you feel about your team's latest draft picks? 
The With the First Pick podcast is your source for comprehensive draft coverage and pick breakdowns with CBS Sports draft expert Ryan Wilson and longtime general manager Rick Spielman. Ryan and Rick will recap each day of the draft, dishing out winners and losers from all seven rounds. And the draft chatter does not stop on Saturday. Stay tuned after the show to the show for team-by-team team draft grades and an early look at who your favorite team should be eyeing next year. Download and follow the With the First Pick podcast wherever you find this podcast. And again, just a just a follow up plug there because Ryan Wilson has joined us. You know, he's he's a friend. He's part of the Cover Three family and a loyal listener. He's been busting his tail, and this this is the home stretch for him. This is the national championship game of the NFL draft beat. And so, uh, be sure to go and give him a listen. He's been dialed into this thing for since the end of last year's draft. Okay, and on Monday he'll write the first seven hundred and fifty twenty twenty four mock drafts that they're going to make him right. <laughs> Yeah, seven seven rounds, twenty twenty four mock coming your way at cbsports.com on Monday. So I think, and I we you feel free to give me pushback here. I think we want to go each share our top five, right? Instead of going one 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 two 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 two. Yeah. What do you think? What would yeah. work? What what would work best for y'all? I think we each go all five of ours at a time. Okay. Tom, why don't you go ahead and uh, why don't you go ahead and lay it out? Oh, okay. Um, do we have a graphic ready for this at all? Because I got to check my text to see what I sent Jordan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, so do you have Bryce pick? Young going number one? Yeah, I've got Bryce Young going number one. We're good about and, that. And then, yeah, I I did in my last my final mock last week. I kept CJ Stroud at number one. I was sticking to my guns, but on the day of, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Bryce Young now. Um, CJ Stroud, I have going number two. I. I don't know if Texas maybe trades down, but it just doesn't make sense to me that the Texans are not going to take a QB. I I know we could talk about, you know, well, Caleb Williams and Drake may, but while it's true, sometimes every single damn year, we get to this point of the NFL draft process. And well, if you like these quarterbacks, you should wait to see next year's. And then we spend the next 365 days picking those guys apart, talking about their scores on a cognition test or that maybe they farted loudly in a team meeting. And then, you know, they denied it something, whatever kind of stuff to knock them down. So I think CJ Stroud goes to will Anderson goes to three. Will it be Arizona? He goes to, I don't know, but if those two are the first two picks, somebody, if not Arizona is going to trade up to get will Anderson at three. Uh, I think the Colts are going to take will Levis at four. And if he's there at five, I just don't see the Seahawks passing up on Jalen Carter. So my top five is Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, Will Levis, Jalen Carter. It's uh, pretty heavily favored towards one conference. Bryce Young, Paris Johnson, C.J. Oh, okay. That's a lot of SEC. That would be the Southeastern mm -hmm. Conference that you're going with right there. Uh, Danny, what's your top five? By the way, 11 and a half is the over-under on numbers of players uh, from the SEC drafted. I, think I took the under just because I had to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, principal play. <laughs> I stick to it. Stick to my guns. I'm going down a blaze of glory. If so, I think the ACC is three and a half. Let's go ACC. Um, all right. So mine, same. Bryce Young won. I I think there is a lot of unknown about this draft. Um, I'm fascinated by it. I have Will Anderson Jr. Both these players I have bets on at plus money as well. Really good plus money. When C.J. Stroud was the number one, the favorite from the odds makers, I jumped on Bryce Young at plus 240. Uh, when Will Levis was the favorite to be the second overall pick, I jumped on Will Anderson at plus 400. So I'm going to stick to those. Hopefully they cash in. Don't feel as confident about the number two. I feel really good about Bryce Young, one. Will Anderson, two. I had Paris Johnson uh, Jr. as the best tackle out there going three to the Cardinals. I kind of kept it straight across the board. Hey, you got to build and protect Kyler Murray. Then I had at four, I had Anthony Richardson going to the Colts and not CJ Stroud. Uh, and then at five, I had Jalen Carter. I do, uh, same as your line of thinking, like I think the Seattle would love if Jalen Carter dropped to their lap. Um, but the reason I went with Anthony Richardson, I do. So I think Anthony Richardson is the most physically, hey, there we go. Let's go, Told Ryan you. Wilson. Let's go. Told you. Yes. Um, I think Anthony Richardson is the most physically gifted potential upside player in this draft. Now, I say that and people yesterday, like, he's only played 13 games. I think there is an incredible bust potential, too. Like, I am very well aware of that. 
But when I look at the Colts, when I look at Shane Steichen, when I look at what he's coming from with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles and the offense he brought around him, I think if you're going to go for somebody that you're going to run that type of system who can really manipulate defenses because they have to change the way they scheme because the way you run the ball, I think Anthony Richardson makes the most sense. So I think it's an incredible bust potential, but I think the upside is there too. And maybe you maybe you eat them up and chew them up and spit them out after four or five years. I think teams are more willing to run their quarterbacks lately, and they're like, we'll take that risk. And if he's a stud, then you pay him the next contract. But you're more willing to say, let's build an offense around this guy. And I think if you were going to do that, Anthony Richardson's the guy. Real quick, no, I'm talking way too long. No, go. No, I'm go, believing man. in the C.J. Stroud. Like, and I know our guy Brady Quinn, which was so stupid that he got attacked at all. Um, you know, got attacked for some of the rumors. Why is C.J. Stroud dropping? He did not do himself any favors yesterday saying, I'm not a test taker. I I'm somebody. I had to take a test every Friday when I was with the Broncos that was like, it was a legit test, like paper and pen that you had to memorize the different responsibilities. It is a test. Mental, that is probably the biggest jump that you're going to have to make. The mental test. Dan Reeves used to make us the entire team Saturday night before the game. You'd have to stand up. He'd say, hey, Canel, stand up. Stand up in front of the team. And he'd be like, what's your uh, what's your hot read on, you know, uh, B234 quarterback pass, wing eight, Y8? What's your hot if the corner blitzes? And you'd have to you'd have to answer it in front of the whole team. And if you didn't, the whole team would be like, ooh, like they would shame you. And then your quarterback coach would give you a tongue lashing because it made him look bad if you didn't get the answer right. But, like, there are a bunch of tests you're going to have to pa pass. And, unfortunately, I think C.J. Stroud has, like, failed this answer of why his S2 test was so poor. Mm. I, I think he drops as well. Um, I'm not really sure it's about the testing, although I, I think teams increasingly do care about the testing, as the tests may be getting better than just the old Wonderlick stuff. I think part of it's, like, maybe a fear of guys that come out of that super loaded offense. Right. And I mean, you know, Haskins so is it just the super loaded offense? Is it the super Justin Fields has really worked out yeah. crappy for them so far. Yeah. I mean, like, 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 like <laughs> Fields takes an unbelievable number of sacks and, and I, I would take another quarterback if I was Chicago, but like there's some chance he works out Haskins RIP, but was not progressing right in, in, into being a guy who would be a good pick. You get Alave, Wilson, Harrison Jr., Jack Smith and Jigba, like Fleming and like Buka are your like five, six in the last two years. Maybe that kind of are NFL quarterbacks bit. throwing to college receivers or NFL receivers? The talent differential with who they're throwing to in the NFL is much closer. I, I, I understand I mean, that, but I mean, wow, I, I don't know if it's a knock that hey, this guy also has played with really good players. I don't know. No, but it, but like the, you don't think it's but, but like, this guy, but Will Levis, he's got a strong arm. I'm going to take him over the guy that played well with NFL players. That's I a do logical thing. Go, I I have Levis going over Stroud. I, I so is Ty Buckner. You're not. You don't think he's going to be a top five pick next year because he's playing with good players <laughs> in Alabama. I I don't, man. I, I, I'm. We'll get to that. Like I think we should probably break in after we finish this. I guess. Yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna share our top five. Get a break. Come back. And talk all right. To so, all these quarterbacks, I do think it matters where they end up. Like Jalen Hurts yes. had two really legit receivers when they traded last year for AJ Brown. That was a difference maker for Jalen Hurts' entire career trajectory. He took off when Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs. Look at his stats. They were like, "Eh, is he okay?" And then all of a sudden, he's an MVP when he gets Stephon Diggs. Look at who Burrow has to throw with. And I'm not knocking those guys, but I do think it matters for all of them. Even C.J. Stroud, even Bryce Young, who you're throwing to does matter. And that's why I worry like about the team that has the worst weapons. We could talk about all these guys about their attributes. If you don't have talent that you're throwing to, it's going gonna, it's gonna to impede your, your success. Yeah, and, and going back to like what you were saying, bud, about Justin Fields a second ago, he takes a lot of sacks. Can you name who the Bears' top receiver was last year? All right. Uh, they didn't the, have the guy, the guy um, that gave up a, a second round pick for Chase Claypool, right? Yeah, like you got to you have to have a receiver who gets open. So, and that's why they traded for DJ Moore. So, I bet you Justin Fields takes a lot fewer sacks next season. I, I think he probably will. All right, bud, what's your five? All right, um, Bryce, uh, Will Anderson, two. I, I think Tyree Wilson goes three, actually, right? I, I, 
he's got a lot of upside. I have a hard time seeing them take Paris Johnson at three, but like obviously if Kyler wants it, I'm not really convinced that Kyler's going to take another snap. Like that whole staff could just get fired by the time he gets back healthy, right? And, and then they maybe they reset and go uh, go Caleb in uh, in 24. Will Levis at four, and then I'm go, I'm going Jalen Carter at five. Is there not a part of Jaylen you that Carter just, at five? Yeah. Is there not, is there not a part of you that just like responds to the idea of a Texas Tech defensive player going top three? Just like, huh? Wait, what? <laughs> like that's the thing with Tyree Wilson. It's like you think of what Texas Tech has been all these years. They haven't had any quarterbacks, and one of them was Patrick Mahomes. They haven't had any quarterbacks go in the top five, and now they might have a defensive end edge rusher go in the top five. The team that can't play defense. It's just weird to me. Not, I'm not saying I don't I've get got, it. He's very I, good. Yeah, I've I've got Bryce number one, so we're four for four on that. I've got Jalen Carter number five, so we're four for four on that. Here's what I've got in between. I've got CJ Stroud at number two because Ooh. all this is nonsense. CJ Stroud is right there with Bryce Young. And no matter what the Will Levis smoke is, no matter how much he's getting knocked or dinged, you're going to look at that and you're like, nope, he is not going to slip outside of the top five. I do have Paris Johnson at number three. I will admit that I'm leaning not just on the like there is the reports that Kyler wants him, but our guy Jonathan Jones also said that he had heard Paris Johnson was, you know, somebody who could end up going right there to the Cardinals. I've got Tyree Wilson at four and Jalen Carter at five. I imagine Will Anderson Jr. would be shortly after that, where we create just sort of a run on defensive linemen and edge rushers all throughout the top 10. So Bryce, CJ Stroud, Paris Johnson, Tyree Wilson, and Jalen Carter. Tonight we get to grade them, and Monday we will see who did the best of locking in their top five for the NFL draft. If you are watching live at youtube.com slash cover three, you are calling for it. We see all of you calling for it because we've got breaking news. We know the destination for former Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner. We'll get into that and more next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, instant reaction. Tyler Buckner takes to Twitter. He's got a nice little statement. There's a lot of words in it. We've been talking on the Cover 3 podcast. I haven't read all those words, but I know what's important, and it is his commitment to Alabama, where he will rejoin offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, who you know was there at Notre Dame. Also, if you think that his bowl game performance against Skeleton South Carolina was sort of the, the high point of the Tyler Buckner experience, there's some lows in there too. Well, Tommy Reese was still the offensive coordinator for that game. So there, there's a lot going on right here in terms of familiarity. I guess for starters, do you think that Tyler Buckner is going to be the starting quarterback for the Texas game week two? I, hope, I think Steve Sharkeesian hopes he is. Yeah, yeah. What's the line on that game? Is it moved? <laughs> moved? I mean, yes. uh, I mean I'm, I'm about to bet it right now. Is he transferring to Alabama right now if he doesn't have a pretty good idea that he's going to be the starter? Like, why is Alabama in the he's portal going enough, for him? He's got enough eligibility left that I would be willing to consider that he's looking at at least a two-year stay. I think he's going to be your starter. You think Buckner's starting? I think, I mean, do you? how long him? was he in the portal? How long was he in the portal? Like 20 minutes? So he, we talked about it yesterday. He had the red check, so he already knew where he was going. He enters the portal after spring practice ends. His former offensive coordinator, whose spring practice just ended with some pretty subpar performances from his quarterback. Quarterbacks. And then he's at Alabama the next day after 20 minutes. You don't think. If there's a very good shot, he's going there with the intention of being starter. And Tommy Reese told him, hey, I need somebody who knows this offense because the guys I have don't really know the offense. So I'm guessing Jalen Milrow will probably be hitting the portal soon. And maybe Ty Simpson sticks around as a potential backup. But I think he's going to be your starter. Yes. I mean, Nick Saban knows this is – okay, thank you. All right, yeah. Like the, Saban knows it's not the NFL draft. We, we can't tank for, for a five-star next year. Uh <laughs> Look, there is some chance that Tyler Buckner ends up being good for Alabama. Yeah. Right. He did show some talent 
in high school. I mean, he was one of these kids that, you know, based on his freshman season, got a high grade. His grade did dip every successive year in recruiting at, thereafter. He didn't play his senior year of high school due to uh, the fact that it was the vid year. Obviously, Tommy Reese has seen a lot more reps with Tyler Buckner than any of us have. Okay. But the stuff we have seen has been poor. He was not good against Ohio State. He was really not very good against Marshall. And in the bowl game, awesome. game that we all bet Notre Dame because of how many defensive players South Carolina had out, he still threw two awful pick sixes plus another pick, which I actually don't remember what that one looked like, but still. And, and he, he scored a bunch of touchdowns in that game. Does this say more about what Tommy Reese thinks of Tyler Buckner and all the private reps he's seen of him in practice and evaluating as a quarterback? Or does it say more about what Tommy Reese thinks of Jalen Milrow and Simpson there in Tuscaloosa? I think the latter. That, I think so too. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, I think he just wants he wants something more comfortable. He wants to, he wants to add that jacket to the rotation that he knows that he can wear to work and to dinner. You know, he need, he needs something like a. I don't think he's coming in with the number one. Like I am going to start uh, to to at the beginning of the season. At least that's not the Tommy Reese plan. I think he knows he just needs to bring in something else that he can trust. And I think that there's got to be a trust level with Buckner. It's not great for Bama, that's for sure. Like the fact that they're bringing somebody in, I think tells me they're not thrilled with Milrow and Simpson. Now we've seen Milrow, who I think is capable, like. If you if you alter the what you want to be, like we were talking about Anthony Richardson or somebody like a running quarterback, if you want to, or go back to Jalen Hurts before they opened up the offense. I mean, he was pretty good, but they like they didn't stretch the field, they didn't throw it anywhere near as much as they did once Lane Kiffin came in and Tua started, and it was like off to the races. And this is a team that has won with Jake Coker and Greg McElroy. Like you don't have to have that first round talent. But I think probably the thing that was more concerning was the turnovers and the like the, the inconsistency. But I mean, that's not what you're getting with Buckner, though, either. Like if we were just mm-hmm. talking about his turnover bug. So yeah, I think it's a, like, do you think, let me ask, let me ask you guys this. Do you think the Florida Gators are like, man, we miss out. We could have had Buckner and had him over Graham Mertz. I don't know if they are. I know they no. want to add somebody, mm-hmm. but like, I, like if it was, Tyler Van Dyke or Drake May or some of the other names we've heard him go after, then I think you're like, oh, this is a clear upgrade. I think this is just another competition, and that, which is good. Like, you need that depth, and you guys are right. One of them might bounce, but uh, it doesn't put you in a position of strength, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, let's connect I think the dots. Buckner... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, last week, there was the Tyler Van Dyke smoke. He's going to Alabama. He's going to Alabama. He stays at Miami. Three days later, Tyler Buckner's in the portal going to Alabama. Like it's I don't th- I don't even think he was Tommy Reese's top choice, but I think it's been pretty obvious to, based on the stuff you hear. Alabama has been looking for a quarterback in the portal. They have not been happy with what they have. This is kind of just a we need to get somebody this is who we're comfortable with kind of situation. I don't think I don't it I feel like we're crapping all over Buckner. It's not like we're sitting here saying he sucks. It's just he's not like an elite level kind of guy that you want if you're going to try to win a national title in the sec not saying you need one we've seen georgia do it with stats and bennett but i think if you look at what alabama has been when it's been ultra successful in recent years when they've had top receivers like i don't think from what i have seen of ty buckner that this is a guy that you can really trust on vertical passes outside the numbers i think it's all very limited to the middle of the field short to intermediate stuff is that match with alabama's personnel this year i don't know i'm not a super bud you're better to answer that question than i am so I just it's it's an interesting fit, but it's also kind of in line with what Tommy Reese was doing with Ian Book. Like this could be Ian Bookish. It could be that kind of thing. And we saw during Ian Book's senior year at Notre Dame the steps forward he took in that offense. So I can't rule out that it's gonna work, but if I'm an Alabama fan right now and I'm I'm getting this news on my phone or an alert if I'm 24-7 subscriber and I get the alerts, I'm not super excited to see Ty Buckner commits to Alabama. Well, I want to follow up on like where you don't want to crap on Buckner. Like Buckner would start at Auburn. Yes. Right? I think so. Yeah. And I think he would start at Auburn, but might not challenge. based on what he's shown so far. Right. Because it was Alabama, Auburn, Florida. Yes. Would Buckner sure. start over? He would 100% sure. challenge him. Why? I, I think Mertz has been a better college quarterback to, to, to date 
and was also rated higher as a recruit. What have but we I, seen as a recruit or on the field that makes us think Buckner just because he hasn't been as bad for as long? I think based just looking like at Tom. Billy Napier's offensive history, he likes a more mobile quarterback than Graham Mertz. Levi Lewis. He's got more Levi Lewis to him mm-hmm. than Graham Mertz does. Okay, that's fair. Um, there's a lot of places where he would walk in and start. How many other pro- – I mentioned Auburn and Florida. How many other programs in the SEC would trade their starting quarterback situation? Obviously, a lot of those jobs not necessarily firmly announced. Would they trade for Tyler Buckner? Missouri would take him, I think. They got, what, Jake Garcia? Mm-hmm. No, Garcia was still hurt. It's Brady oh. Cook still, but like they they do have Garcia if, if he comes back healthy. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, I don't think would. Tennessee, no. if, if the hype come out of Tennessee is real, the Tennessee would not. My impression of Jordan when you said Tennessee, Vandy, I don't think would. <laughs> they, they I, I think they like Swan quite a bit, but maybe they would. That's probably a toss up. Kentucky would not. Devin Leary over Buckner. We, this is kind of the point though. Like we just don't know. Okay, like the, these COVID class kids as recruits, I just put together our data for, for the story I'm writing in 24-7 has been the most accurate recruiting service for the last five years and the most accurate in the first round for the last four. Shout out Rivals for having an unbelievable 2018 first round. But, and we're about to kill it in this draft, by the way. It's, it's going to be a bloodbath. Next year's draft, no idea. And I bet you if you ask the guys at ESPN Rivals, they would tell you the same thing. You got, you got these dudes who have grades who didn't play their senior year, weren't as at many camps. We didn't play as much competitive seven-on-seven seven at summer, so you didn't get to see these kids against other elite kids nearly as much as we normally do. The, the, the data set is incomplete on them, and because he got hurt, Buckner's data set is also incomplete because he only played three games. I mean, how many passes did he throw? Hundred and He threw 83 passes. You know what I was just thinking? I don't know. Uh, some and what made me think this is that Sark, you know, the uh, Bailey Brad put in there. Sark did recruit Buckner when he was at Bama. How's Malik Murphy still at Texas? I mean, he balled out, and I think the upside is better than Buckner. Like, and maybe he's just committed. Maybe he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm gonna stay here, wait my turn, and I'll compete." But I'm surprised he's able to keep him there in Austin. You think that? Alabama would have been in the mix. I would think so. I I think he's better. And we've seen him. I mean, granted, it was a spring game, but he balled out. All the returns have been great. He's already beat out like Archie. He's the number two. He's playing behind. Like, I think it's a quarterback that would be willing to leave that would have better upside, better potential than Buckner. And I mean, I think another way to consider too here with Malik Murphy is why is he still there? Well, there's probably a reason he's still there. And it involves, you know, financial reasons. And if Texas is that interested in keeping him, that also gives you an idea. You know, when Texas has Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning, but they're also very interested in keeping Malik Murphy, that gives you an idea of how talented he is too. Yeah, that was my challenge to Texas was pay up. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're all of a sudden limited at the quarterback position. All right, so is the expectation that Alabama is going to see either Simpson or Milrow hit the portal in the coming days because he only got a couple days left. Yeah. Milrow's what third year, right? This is his third season. If he's not, if he's not mm-hmm. going to be the starter this year, you got to feel like he's going to be itching to leave at some point. I mean, if they're if they're recruiting over me again with a transfer from a kid who we really don't know a whole hell of a lot about because, like Bud said, he didn't play his senior year of high school, and then after being the starter last year, he barely played any of last season. So in the last three years, he's hardly played any competitive football. Mm. We're going to see them all. We're going to see two quarterbacks play against Middle Tennessee for sure and probably against Texas too. I don't know if they're going to have this thing figured out. And classic, like 2014 Saban all over again. Yeah. We're going to wait until the SEC opener. Just trot out a whole bunch of quarterbacks and see who can stand it with their feet to the fire. But yes, Tyler Buckner, former Notre Dame quarterback, he hit the portal. As Tom mentioned, Tom said red check. Basically, there is a, a do not contact lit part that you can sort of put by your name that just lets everybody else know, I'm hitting the portal, and I already know where I want to go. And so that's why as soon as Buckner hit the portal, the red check was there. Everybody assumed, hey, Tommy Reese is at Alabama. Alabama needs a quarterback. 
that's how the dots were connected. And, uh, and like Tom mentioned, you know, if, if they were going after Van Dyke and it didn't work, you just go down on the priority list. And, uh, and this was what was up next will be interesting to see how much he plays a factor in that competition. When Alabama opens fall camp, yeah. anything else on Buckner? And then we'll yeah. do just sort of final thoughts on, do you know what's better than one love letter to Notre Dame? Two love letters to Notre Dame because he had to, he had the first one, dear Notre mm-hmm. Dame, I love you. Now he's got the official announcement. So you've got two love letters from Tyler Buckner to all his fans and Notre Dame. Like and he's not over his ex. I don't know. <laughs> what? So is Tyler Buckner the type that writes too much in your yearbook? Oh, for sure. A lot of these dudes do. It's not just Buckner. A lot of them. You get a little too wordy. Less you get a this could be his agent writing it too. Like, like I, I, I have no idea if this kid wrote this. Could be you get a couple. You get a couple of beers and Ty Buckner, and he'll just talk to you for hours about his feelings, and you're just like, bro, I'm just <laughs> trying to watch the game, dude. <laughs> oh man, high profile Notre Dame to Alabama. Uh, Tyler Buckner commits to the Crimson Tide. Will be uh, that'll be one of the biggest topics of fall camp across the entire country is that Alabama quarterback battle on a roster that otherwise is is locked and loaded uh, at almost every other position group. Uh, All right, final thoughts before we get out of here. What are, if there was like a player or a storyline, not just for Thursday, but the NFL draft in general, like almost like we're going to get back here on Monday. We're going to share some some recaps, some takeaway from the weekend that was, look ahead to 2024. So what do you think are going to be some of the, trend storylines a player of note that you think is going to end up being one of the big talking points coming out of the weekend Hmm. how high does Bijan go like are we going to see because there's been a lot Mm. more smoke getting as we get closer to the draft that Bijan could go a lot higher than some thought maybe even top 10 but more likely in the top 15 to 20 ish range and that Jameer Gibbs is going to go in the late first round and when you see like how the things have trended with running backs in the draft, especially in the first round of the last years, that would be a change. And I'm also interested in seeing how many receivers go in the first two days, because we have seen like receivers have kind of become the new running backs of old. As far as the draft is concerned, people want wide receivers. It's the most important position in our offense besides our quarterback and stuff. But I just don't think the teams are that high on this receiver class and I'm going to be interested to see, do we see them overdrafted because people want to get the guy that they like and they don't like anybody else? Or are we going to see a lot of teams just kind of pushing it off? And then in the once the third or fourth round start, we see a flurry of them go. See, I'm curious about that as well. I, I was really with Tom that, and I think I still am. But at the same time, if you look at it, a lot of these teams, I think because of the way that they did this rookie wage scale and, and unions eat their young and, and the NFL union definitely did now. Like these guys make peanuts compared to what rookies used to make relative to the, to the cap. So if you hit on a receiver pick, it's a tremendous value against what you would have to pay on the open market for a receiver, right? So a lot of teams, I think, are looking at the draft now. And this is not my original take. I stole this from somebody on Sports Talk Radio yesterday when we were in the car for a rain delay for for swim and practice. But the teams look at it as, okay, if we get a good player on a rookie deal, that's tremendous value versus the cap compared to what we'd have to pay in free agency to acquire that player. Whereas certain positions tight end guard running back it it, like you're almost always overpaying unless you get an absolute superstar at that position right like tight end in the first round their their hit rates real low for whatever reason anyway but like the the gap between rookie rookie scale and what the the best players make is not that big for those positions whereas if you hit a stud like justin jefferson right on the vikings tremendous value type thing kind of the same thing with quarterbacks just on a slightly smaller scale i guess so, like, do you really want to pick a tight end, even if you like the player better than the receiver? Because if you hit, like, I can go get a, a decent tight end in free agency if I have to. Mm. I, don't know. I took the total uh, was three and a half receivers round one. I took the under. So I think it stays under there, kind of your point. I think they'll be lower. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, Quentin. God, see, I don't know if Quentin Johnson That's is. The thing. I think, he's been sliding. Yeah, I think he's going to go in in the top top twenty five. So you do. So you think? So I then do. that makes me a little more nervous. Zay Flowers is another one, and yeah. then uh, Jordan just, Addison. So there are four like potential. I think one of them so is tiny. They're so tiny. They I don't know tiny. how teams. Are, I mean, just I I can't remember the exact numbers, but I looked this up a couple weeks ago. Like t- 
wide receivers of that size and smaller that get drafted do not work out. Like the best, the best tiny little receivers of those size were undrafted dudes, Wes Volker and uh, I can't remember the other kid's name. It was undrafted guys who went on to have really good careers. The guys that get drafted generally haven't panned out. Another thing I'm looking for, just to go homerish here, because I was saying it all season long and I turned out right when I was talking about Illinois secondary. I just want to see, I think there's a very good shot that after Ohio State, Illinois has more players drafted than anybody else in the Big Ten in this draft. Hmm. That was actually Robert's comment before we got started. At 10.46 a.m. Eastern Time, Robert jumped in the chat. And again, if you jump in the chat early and drop something, that's actually like one of the best ways that we know we're going to see it. Robert says, uh, what will Tom do if Illinois has more players drafted this weekend than everybody in the Big Ten except Ohio State? I will make Danny grow a beard. <laughs> there it is. That's what we're looking for. We need a bet for it. <laughs> That'd be a good bet. one. No, what will I do? Um, um, I will probably just come on here Monday with a whole lot of told you so's. <laughs> I, Jalen Carter's an interesting one. We both, we all had him. What we all had him at five. Yeah, and that he could totally screw things up. If somebody takes him at two or three, like what happens mm-hmm. then, you know, or he could, I could see him dropping. If somebody gets bad reports, I could see that quarterbacks to me are, I mean, that's going to be the night, you know, you're one of them. I think is going to drop. I kind of, I will Levis to me is the most fascinating guy out there. Cause I just don't get it, but some people love him. You know, Anthony Richardson total upside, but only 13 games started like they are. And to Tom's point earlier, it is so funny because last year, you know, it wasn't a good quarterback class. And it's like, wait till next year, wait till next mm-hmm. year. And That's now we're sitting here saying, wait till Drake may and Caleb Williams. Oh, and they might, they might like Tyler Van Dyke was one of those guys last year. You could get Tyler Van Dyke next year. If you just wait a year, he's not even coming out. And you know, then, yeah. Like, some years, some years it's a hundred percent true, but then a lot of the times it's just, it's like, Nope, we're going to be feel the same way about it. Um, I will say mentioning Jalen Carter. If he's there at nine and the Bears draft him at nine and like the Bears trade down from one and still get the guy I was happy for them to take at one at number nine, I will make the short drive down the street to Hallis Hall and give Ryan Poles a big old kiss on the lips and just tell him that I love him very much. <laughs> do, do you guys have good Uber in uh do we what? You guys have Uber in Chicago, right? Yeah. That should be like an NIL deal for Carter when he gets to Chicago. Like, hey, <laughs> Uber man. Oh, you know? boo. Oh, boo this oh, man. Oh, all right, fine. Oh, yeah. No, go? no, no, no. Hennon Hooker's all a good right, one. That, that's a good one. Four and a half quarterbacks in the fourth round or in the first round is the number. I like him. I like him better than Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, but I don't know if teams do. You know where I see him going? I don't know if it'll I, be in the first round. Where? I think Hendon Hooker ends up a Raider. I think if you look at Josh McDaniels and the quarterbacks, he's like the Mac Jones, drafting Mac Jones. If you just look at the kind of guys he's worked with and had the most success with, I think Hendon Hooker is in line with those that type as far as not the strongest arm, but an accurate arm and makes good decisions. And that's what they've got with Mac Jones. That's what, for the most part, Tom Brady was most of his career. He was never going to be a super mobile guy with a cannon arm, although he had a very good arm. I just think that that is the kind of guy like when I've seen Will Levis mocked to jo- like the Raiders, that just never makes sense. Those guys in a Josh McDaniels offense don't make sense to me, but I think Hendon Hooker does. So I think he ends up a Raider. I just don't see taking this guy in the first round, even with the, the free. Oh, year. I don't think in the first. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, it's he's had the reverse CJ Stroud where it's been all the things in the meetings all the like conversations and the interviews and the test scores and, Oh, how could you not love this guy? Just sit down with him and talk about football. I mean, I'm super happy for Hendon hooker as I've gone on the record with here. He's a, he's a wild card there where I think that when we're looking at the first, second round cut, like that's, that's going to be a big, as bud was mentioning earlier, that's going to be a big spot where if somebody gets antsy, a couple of quarterbacks go early, you could see someone jump up to want, make sure that they get that extra year with Hooker. Especially coming off the injury, that extra year I think is even more significant. All right. Anything else, general expectations for the night? Um, I, I have one thing I want to just respond to, a little comment that I just saw there. Hold on, where did it go? About Hendon Hooker not doing anything at Virginia Tech. 
Hendon Hooker's freshman year, his first kind of big time season as a starter at Virginia Tech, completed over 60% of his passes for 9.6 yards per attempt, 13 touchdowns to two interceptions. He also ran for 356 yards and five touchdowns. People seem to forget what happened the season before COVID a lot. Hendon Hooker was very good for Virginia Tech, his first full year playing there. Didn't the just show up line, out of he nowhere. He was a problem. Yeah, the, he was a problem, and the offensive line wasn't good. And because he's able to move around a little bit, he was able to not get sacked a thousand times. So I'm, yeah, now he he was not bad at Virginia Tech. Yeah, maybe he works out. Um, hmm. Do we think? Do we think offensive tackles get pushed up? Yeah, I think that's kind of the same situation with receivers where it's a value position where you don't want to pay him in free agency as much as you'd rather have him on a rookie deal. The thing is, there isn't a no-duh tackle in this class. I think there's a lot of solid guys. There's nobody I think anybody's mm -hmm. looking at and saying, oh, that's a franchise guy, which is why, I mean, I, I know there's been that scuttlebutt about the Cardinals getting Paris Johnson at three. I think if I'm the Cardinals process-wise, if I, if I want Paris Johnson, I am trying – desperately to trade down and then get Paris Johnson later. If I can't trade down, I would rather just take Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson and then draft another offensive tackle early in the second round because, well, I really like Paris Johnson. I really like Skaronsky. I don't think the difference between the guys up there versus the guys that are still going to be available in the early second are that big. Will be interesting, and it all plays out tonight, Thursday night from Kansas City, rounds two and three on Friday, and then Saturday rounds four through seven. Uh, Ryan Wilson, Rick Spielman, the With the First Pick podcast, giving you updates after every single round. Our own Danny Cannell on the CBS Sports HQ uh, pregame show with the coverage and the expectations leading into the start of the draft. Check it out uh, on the CBS Sports app, Paramount Plus, uh, wherever uh, you want to go, cbsportshq.com and the CBS Sports app. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3 Follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.